Salutations, everyone, and welcome to the Triple R Podcast, the retro wrestling review. No, report, sorry. Report. 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 Retro wrestling review is a different podcast. Totally different podcast. Um, the retro wrestling report. My name's Warren, and I'm only screwing up the intro on our uh, fifth now episode. Yeah. Pre-show. This be our seventh. This is our this episode. Seventh episode. Pre-show before we watch Bash at the Beach 1996, a humongous turning point uh, for WCW at the time. This is actually our first WCW pay-per-view that we're going to watch. Um, let's bring in the, the uh, compadres. Uh, my brother Chris. Chris, how are you? I am great. Uh, I was very hesitant to want to watch this pay-per-view, but I am so glad that I did, and I can't wait to discuss it with our listeners. And we bring in Justin Pilcher. We call him Pilch. Pilch, how are you? Don't ever call him Pilch. (laughs) Don't ever call him Pilch? Don't ever call him Pilch. Uh, thank you for having me, Warren. I appreciate it. Here you go with this mess. Hey, Pilch, I'm really glad you could make it, man. I know you have a busy schedule, but thanks for taking the uh, time out of your day to uh, join us. No, no, no. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I know uh, it's very important for you guys to have me here, so I, I do what I can. Thank you. You're always welcome. You're always welcome when you want to come back. Chris, do not feed into his What is being polite. I'm just being polite. You don't have to be polite when he is a part of the Triple R podcast every single week. Well, you know, I'm just, you know, just saying that I'm grateful that he could take time out of his busy schedule to take part in our our podcast. Oh, I, I get it. And I also am eternally grateful for him taking time out of his busy schedule to uh, join us for the Triple R podcast, but he does it every week. Mm, I don't know. It's I think it's uh, it's up in the air. It's debatable. <laughs> Some of his takes yeah. are debatable. That's about it. And, and thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. I'm moving on. Moving on. So Warren, Warren before you Warren, before you move on, uh, do you mind if I take the floor for a minute? Absolutely. Go right ahead. Regular on the show, Justin Pilcher. So uh, I just wanted to thank both my co-hosts for having me this week. Um, but on a, ser- on a serious note, uh, our first episode dropped uh, four days ago. And I wanted to thank everyone that came out and listened to it. I know, you know, it's not the easiest thing to listen to a podcast all the time, especially about wrestling. And, you know, it means the world to us. And I want to thank my two co-hosts, uh, Chris and Warren. This has been the highlight of my week for the last three weeks. And it's really great to sit down and catch up with you guys. And I really hope this continues going forward. I know we're all having a lot of fun. And with that being said, we had a uh, discussion on the last episode that I want to revisit. And it's when I compared Orlando Jordan to Apollo Crews. And you both got really upset with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we can we can have our opinions, but if you really dive in the st- the statistics, you will see that they're very similar. Orlando Jordan is a one-time US champion. Apollo Crews okay. is also a one-time US champion. Okay. Orlando Jordan held the belt for 173 days. Apollo mm-hmm. Crews only held it for 97. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, who did Apollo Crews beat to become the U.S. champion? Mm, who did he beat? Was it uh, was it Andrade? It was Andrade. Okay, now yeah. that would have been my guess. Who did Orlando Jordan beat to become the U.S. champion? I. Wouldn't be Andrade, right? It wouldn't be. It's not was Andrade. It, uh, was it Eddie? Was it Eddie Guerrero? Bigger. 
bigger. Bigger. Not Ray. Bigger. Bigger than Ray? Oh, Orlando. Lord. Orlando Jordan beat John Cena to become the U.S. champion. Okay, hang on a second. So, to prove my point. Hang on, hang on. Orlando Jordan not only beat the better champion, had a longer reign. If anything, I insulted Orlando Jordan and not Apollo (laughs) Crews. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, let me know when you're finished poking your chest out, and then I can spit the actual facts of what you're trying to say. I'm I'm finished. As much as of, I do agree that John Cena is the bigger name than Andrade. But what? Oh, really? Do you? What was he at the time? At the time? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come the John on now. Cena, the John Cena that Orlando Jordan beat is not the John Cena that we see and know today. If you put John Cena's track record and his accolades up against Andrade's accolades today, of course, they're they're two different beasts. And Andrade does have a, a long way to go, at least for his WWE run. Whatever he's done outside of WWE uh according to WWE, is apparently irrelevant. But the John Cena that Orlando Jordan beat was not this, the Cena that we know and and love today. So you can't compare the two. They're probably, I mean, we'd have to do some digging and we can do some efforting and maybe have something uh, to rebut you with when we do our uh, Bash at the Beach episode uh, coming up on Sunday. They probably have equal careers at the time if we match up that John Cena to this current Andrade. Okay, so you're proving my point more so that they they are the same person. No, 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 no. I don't think think this is one we're going to win, Warren. They are. They they are the same. They, They both are extremely gifted athletically. They both had a mid-card title push, and then they both couldn't do anything with it and are getting buried. They're the same person. Mark my words, uh, Apollo Crews will never do anything in the WWE. Uh, ever. I think I think we're yeah. just going to have to agree to disagree on this one, Warren. Because he's not is, moving. He's not budging. I don't, I don't agree with it. Much, as much as that may be the case to where... He's not going to rise to the level of a John Cena or a Randy Orton in the WWE. And he may do Or an Orlando that. Jordan. No, you can't. That's just not I can't I can't look at Orlando Jordan like that because he left WWE and went to TNA and was this character milk on him. It just got it just got weird for me and I couldn't look at him the same way. Well, the facts are the facts. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Okay, so I'm going to ring the bell. I'm going to move on because we're not, we're just not going to get anywhere with some of the terrible takes that Justin Pilcher puts out there. You know what? I'm going to take this to the Twitter. I'm going to put a poll up on Twitter and see if people agree. If uh, Orlando Jordan and Apollo Cruz are in fact the same person, yeah, that's, I think that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to put it in the hands of the people, the fans of the Triple R podcast. That's what that's we should right. do. Right here, we're going to preview our next episode. Like I mentioned, we're going to be looking at Bash at the Beach, nineteen ninety six, and. Uh, what are you guys, Chris and Pilcher, looking forward to the most for this pay-per-view? Let's start with Chris. What am I looking forward to the most at of Bash at the Beach? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, obviously there's the main event. You know, who is this? Who could this mystery partner be? 
to the outsiders. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think that, that's the only reason you're watching this pay per view. You got you want to find out who the who the third man is. That's all they're they're wondering. I mean, the other matches. Mm, I mean, the street fight could be cool. The the dog collar match that could be really cool. Um, and I don't know. I. <laughs> I'm not sure what a Carson City uh, silver dollar match is, but I mean, I'm sure we're going to find out. (laughs) (laughs) We may not find out. You don't know that for sure. I don't know. But yeah, I think it's all about the third man. We're just waiting to see who this third man's going to be. Pilch, what what has piqued your interest the most when it comes to Bash at the Beach 1996? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of the beach, personally. I think a beach setting in a pay-per-view is, you know, it's unique. I like that. It is. I also am a fan of the Eric Bischoff whodunit story. Like, where's Eric Bischoff? What what happened to him? Where is he? Where'd he go? That is is a portion of of the pay-per-view that I kind of forgot was another storyline in it. Which lasts the entire pay review. Who kidnapped Eric Bischoff? Was it the '96 Denver Broncos? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Was it the '96 Denver Broncos? <laughs> so I mean, I enjoyed that. Um, you know, for me, honestly, is I uh, I'm a big Ric Flair fan, and I like mm-hmm. to see Ric Flair in. I, I guess this isn't really his prime. I mean, it's pre- he's probably leaving his prime at this point. But, you know, any time where he's in a semi-main or a main event, you know, I, I'm excited because I want to see the dirtiest player in the game. Absolutely. And I, I think he lived up to that in this pay-per-view. I mean, no spoilers, but, you know, it, it was exciting to see because I feel like we saw uh, a superstar towards the twilight of his career. And I, I, you know, that was a match I was looking forward to as well. That was one thing that I noticed watching this pay-per-view, especially watching that match, was we, and I'm late 30s, you guys mid-30s, we really didn't get to see prime 80s NWA Ric Flair. That was all way before our time. And I I know me and Chris grew up, I think you grew up up, upstate with us here in, in New York, right, Pilch? Just not yes, in all. 315 so, for life. No, oh, Jesus. So we didn't get a whole bunch of NWA WCW up in our in our parts. It was all WWE. Um so that whole run with the the early horsemen with Flair and Arn and Tully and uh Barry Windham, or even before that with Ole Anderson, that wasn't something that we got a chance to see and and watch and enjoy, um, like people that maybe lived um, down south. So by the time we saw Flair, maybe it was 92 uh, in the WWE when he won the Royal Rumble, won the title there, or when he went back right. to WCW in, in this time here, 96, um, which I still think was prime years for him, but uh, just – it was a different it was a much different flair, you know, mid to late eighties that we haven't really got a chance to good look at, get a good look at. I will say we did have the distinct advantage of growing up with ECW readily available. Yes. Yes. And, so, and I mean but potato tomato, as Chris would say. I <laughs> if I get a chance to pick a pay-per-view, I have to remind myself to watch one of the ECW pay-per-views on the Tripwire podcast. For sure. All right. Now, one uh, current event little talking point, as I tend to find myself being the, I don't want to, I guess you could say WWE defender. I don't want to say an AEW hater, but I'm not one of these, these fans of AEW that will just say, oh, AEW is great. They never do anything wrong. I'm always going to, I guess I kind of tend to lean towards finding, trying to poke holes into things like this just isn't right to me. And uh, one thing that came out in the news um, 
was uh, Cody Rhodes. He was on the AEW, is it AEW Unleashed podcast? Unrestricted. Unrestricted. Unrestricted podcast with Tony Schiavone and, uh, and the, oh, what's the ref's name? Aubrey. Aubrey, thank you. And, uh, and ref Aubrey, um, where he was talking about the chair shot that uh, he took, that Cody took from one Sean Spears at Fighter Fest in 2000, in June of 2019. Um, if you happen to see this chair shot, uh, it gashed open the back of Cody Rhodes' head, leaving a pretty sizable pool of blood in the ring. And he needed uh, staples and all this stuff. And as we talked about in previous episodes here in 2020, uh, those head chair shots just don't really translate and are, I feel, almost like you don't need to do them anymore, especially what we know about CTE and all that stuff and head trauma. So the story when the chair shot happened was that it was planned. I want to say that it was planned or whatever the case and that he was the Cody was fine and he ended up being fine outside of the stables. He didn't have a concussion, but then the story, like I said, he goes on the podcast, they talk about the chair shot and he actually tried to gimmick the chair so that he could take the headshot and be as safe as possible but the chairs got switched or something like that. So when I initially heard of this and saw uh, Cody talk about it, it was just an unnecessary chair shot that he didn't need to take and a big bloody mess. But then I listened to his explanation and just now – it messed not messed up, but it changed my whole thought process on uh on my feelings toward it. So now it's like I guess they were trying to to be protective and I you know, they had the the Matt Hardy thing when he fell on his head. They had the the other one where it was the six man tag match where the guy was knocked out and laid out on the apron and nobody noticed him. Um I just want them to make sure that they're taking all the medical precautions that they're supposed to be taking, just like the WWE would. And like people like CM Punk who had the, the big issue with the WWE doctors saying that they, you know, didn't take medical care of them and whatnot. I want AEW to do the same thing. And I don't want people to gloss over the fact that, you know, this is a dangerous game and, all the the medical stuff going on is I don't want them to miss that. I want it to be equal playing field for both. That's all I've ever wanted with the, the AEW stuff. I don't want to be totally AEW one way. I don't want to be totally WWE one way. Keep them uh, on the same playing field uh, up to the same set of rules and whatnot. And I don't know if everybody does that. Pilch, please help me out here and tell me that I'm halfway crazy. I think you're all the way crazy, first of all. (laughs) But I understand where you're coming from. I think there's a couple arguments here. One being which, you know, I think AEW really, like, they're... Their tried and true thing is they they want to give homage to like eighties nineties wrestling, right? And, I, and Cody made that very clear in this this interview where he was he said, "I want to bring back headshots because that's what I grew up on. Like that was the big spot. Like you see a headshot, and you know I I personally disagree with it, but I understand where he's coming from." But I also respect the fact that, like, he didn't ask Orange Cassidy or Darby Allen or Sean Spears or one of the mid-card guys to do it. He was the one that was like, if anyone's going to take this, it's it's going to be me, the executive vice president of the company. 
I'm gonna, I'm the one that's going to wear it. And I think they took all the precautions they could. You know, Cody talks about how they shaved the chair down to almost like cookie sheet thin. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, when Sean hit me in the head, the what actually got him was the the leg of the chair because he because Cody was the one that told him to swing like a baseball bat, you know, and he he <clears throat> he said that, you know, that that was the reason that it all just fell apart. And honestly, my favorite part of the interview was when Cody took that chair shot and he's, you know, obviously pool of blood, like big old scar on the back of the head is John Moxley grabbed Sean Spears and just freaking ripped him to shreds. Yeah. 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 I was, I was actually surprised to hear about that because you know, that, that that's two veterans. I mean, you look at John Moxley, right? He's like the king of hardcore. He's like, uh, he's not mankind, but you know what I mean? Like he's got that same kind of vibe he's where like cool. he wants to do like, he's cool mankind. yeah, he's cool he, mankind. he wants to do, you know, the, the outrageous, you know, barbed wire thumbtack blah, blah blah but for someone that you know is that unhinged i guess for lack of a better word to understand that like what they were trying to do was unsafe and to really just lay into that guy i think just shows that like aw does take their safety seriously even though from all the reports have come out that you know like cody suffered concussion and blah blah, blah it it at the end of the day it is on cody and I think it was refreshing to hear that he accepted responsibility for that and said, you know what? Like we took all the process we did and I was the one that pushed the envelope to the point where it didn't work out. And I was the one that took the punishment and it's not no one's fault, but my own. And I think that's what makes Cody and AEW a product to watch. Honestly, and I I think that's what made Vince McMahon in the Attitude Era so great is Vince McMahon was also willing to take all those chances as well. And I think Cody's Cody learns from a lot of that stuff, right? Like he understands that, you know, in the Attitude Era, when WWE was on top of the world, like the top guy took a ton of punishment and took a lot of chances that necessarily he didn't need to take. And I think. Cody's almost paying tribute to that in effect. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this interview. I like that Cody owned up to the fact that like, yeah, it was probably a bad idea. We probably shouldn't have done it, but it was all my idea. And you know, this is what it is. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, fault Cody at all for, for being a stand up guy about it and taking the response, taking responsibility for it. But my issue, like your comment was he wanted to take it back to 80s and 90s wrestling or Attitude Era wrestling. It's it's hard to go back to that with the information that we know now with head trauma and CTE. And we didn't necessarily know about it in the late 90s and early 2000s or even through the, the ruthless aggression era in the mid 2000s. It's really hard to try and replicate that and do it safely. And when you're involving unnecessary shots to the head with a, with objects or with a chair, um, I just don't know if you're going to be able to do that and do it safely. I know he tried to gimmick the chair, um, but it it's just re- it's going to be really hard to do that and do it safely and um i don't know it's just really it's just really hard i just i just don't know how he's going to be able to do it and i i hope he's able to do it i guess um pretty entertainment value but and to do it safely safety is always the most important part um but it's at some point you're just going to have to realize that 2020 is not 2000. <laughs> you got to uh watch it. and you got to make it you got to you got to make it into what it is today before you you start to uh lose your talent to unnecessary injuries. Chris. Uh, I, oh, okay. No, go ahead, Pilch. 
No, I mean, I, I just don't disagree. I don't disagree with you at all. I think mm-hmm. there's a huge difference between the TLC match that we watched, right? Where there's just repeated headshots throughout the entire match and one headshot. True. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to see it either. Like, it's not my, you know, every time I see it, I wince. You know, I, I'm out. Like, I, it, I don't want it to happen. But I understand the perspective where there's, we can do it one time every once in a while rather than 13 times in one match. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. I, I, you know, that, that I totally agree with. That I totally agree with. Chris. That's me. What do you got? So, um, I hadn't, I haven't listened to the interview yet. I know you guys sent it to me. I, I haven't taken time to listen to it, but hearing what you're saying, how Cody is, um, you know, taking full responsibility, you know, he is the, you know, the face of this company. He's the, you know, he's the man in charge and he, in him taking it upon himself to, you know, I'm going to be the one to take the shot. It's my responsibility. If I, you know, if, if I get hurt, you know, it was my call. No one else can be blamed. And any, you know, if people want to give whoever's, you know, booking or whoever's calling this match and like, say you should never have that spot in there. It's all going to fall back on him. Um, which I think is a very, it's a very stand-up thing to do. I think it's very responsible. I commend him for that. Um, it, and it really shows that he is taking care of his talent because he wouldn't, you know, there's a, there's a saying it's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, true leader leads by example, you know, he's not gonna, this is just a, a very clear precedent and a clear example of Cody. You know, he's not going to ask anyone in that company to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this is showing. And I think that is very uh, remarkable and commendable and, you know, um, yes, with, everything we know about CTE and concussions and all that stuff and traumatic brain injuries and how dangerous it is. And I remember that spot. I remember seeing clips of that spot and all the blood. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is very scary thing to watch and to have to sit and look and, you know, these guys are out there sacrificing their bodies just so that we can have a, you know, entertaining couple of hours for, you know, whatever show it is that we're watching. And, um, you know, we need to remember at the end of the day, like these guys need to go be able to go home. You know, these guys all have families, they have kids and, you know, they need to be able to safely leave an event, leave an arena, get back home in one piece. Um, you know, they're putting their bodies on the line every night, every week, every month, every year. Um, and it's just, I understand that. Yeah, maybe nowadays you don't need to do the headshots. Um, but one good headshot couldn't tell a really good story. I mean, think about out of that whole match, like that's what people are remembering. That that shot that split his head open, like that's what people are remembering. If you go back to even in um in in WWE, the rock and mankind had that I quit match, and you remember that shot. That the oh. rock gave mankind. And like it's just yes, I you know, the headshots can tell the story if done right. I do agree with Pilch there, you know, when you start getting up to like four, five, six, twenty, you know, headshots in a row like that in the overkill of it, you know, no one wants to see that. And then you start to cringe and you want to look away and it's you know becoming more of a car accident than anything, but You know, I mean, these guys are trying to tell a story. I get the appeal of a headshot, but we got to start thinking long term for these for these for the talent and for yourself, Cody. I mean, I understand what you were trying to do, and I I agree with you to an extent, but uh, it was just so much blood. And it's like, do we? That's what we want to avoid. That's the kind of stuff that we're just we don't need it. We don't really need it, but. 
I don't know. I'm still gonna watch it. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't want and I don't want to come across like I'm a hypocrite. I don't no hundred percent in the in the heyday of my fandom, the late nineties, early two thousands, I couldn't care less. I was all about that mankind rock match at Royal Rumble. I was all about uh Balls Mahoney and his chair shots from ECW. I was uh I was all about it. Um but it's hard for when it was easy for 18, 19, 20 year old Warren to look at that, it's hard for 37 year old Warren to look at that and still feel the same way. Right. So maybe it's just maybe it's just maturity or something or other, or I don't know. Family man now looking at it instead of the late teen, early adulthood kind of thing. I don't know. But whenever is to kind of break it up, because I know that that conversation got kind of had more of a serious tone. But to break it up, whenever I hear somebody talk about the wrestlers put their bodies on the line, it always makes me think of it's still real to me, damn it. So. (laughs) (laughs) let's ring the bell and before we close the show i want to try and uh see if i can get your get into your guys's or if you can get into my brain i should say i'm gonna produce a top five list and i'm gonna try and base it on whatever pay-per-view we have talking about that week so this week we're talking about Bash of the Beach 96. So I'm going to go top five WCW wrestlers. Now these are my favorite top five, not the best, not any, it's any, just me based on my favorite wrestlers. So I'll give you guys a chance to uh, see if you guys can figure out who's in my top five. Um, and we'll play it by ear. We probably will try not to take too long with this, but uh, go ahead, fire away. Okay, Pilch. I don't know if you have a guess yet. I have one. And I'm pretty sure this is number one. I'm going to say Dean Malenko. Ooh, Dean Malenko yes, did not make my list. He didn't. Oh man, I was so positive about I, Dean Malenko. I have a top five. I have about. Uh, I have 13 names total. He just is out of that 13 range, but that was a very good uh, guess. It was a very good guess. Pilch, what do you got? Can Can I ask a uh, question before I guess? Sure. Are these wrestlers that debuted in WCW or most well-known in WCW? So, okay, so what I tried to do with this, I went by, I did not go by their WWF stuff. So, a hint, Jericho is in the 13, Austin is in the 13, but I'm strictly going by what they did in WCW. God bless. All right. Uh, Let's go with uh, Booker T. Booker T is not in the top five. All right. So okay, so we'll do two more guesses. So Chris Pilch, Chris Pilch, and then I'll start. I'll maybe start doing some hints or something. Because you okay? Way off. That's fair. Who was way off? We're both way off. I thought I was close. Somebody that's in my top thirteen. You said not way off. Close. He was. Malenko was close. Yes. All right. Well, wait. Is is it a snake draft? So can I guess again? Uh, okay, we can do that. You can guess again if you got a guess. What about uh, DDP? DDP is number 13. So he's on there. The, he was on the short list. Ah. 13. Or so far, like my DDP and Ding Malenko and probably Booker T. They're probably up there on me. Those are probably like oh, for sure. three of my five. I don't know who. Uh, Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson is number three. He is one of the founding fathers of the Four Horsemen. The Enforcer. One-time NWA National Tag Team Champion. Two-time 
NWA television champion. He won the WCW Tag Team Championships three times. He has also won the WWF Tag Team Championship. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Spine, he could, to this day, oh, he could the best spine buster and roll out of the ring like nobody's business. Number three is Arn Anderson. Double A. Double Good old double A. Uh, Chris, you got another guess? Let's see. All right. So we're, oh boy. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say La Parca. Ooh, La Parca is my second favorite cruiserweight. He is number That's 10 on the list. He is not in the top five. No, no, don't tease me with that second favorite cruiserweight. Second favorite cruiserweight. He is number 10 on the list. Parka. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> La Parka is dope, man. Does that look good? I'm not going to disagree. I'm just saying. About La Parka. He is the chairman of WCW. Yeah. Because he always I thought La Parka was going to be number two. I was just, I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. <laughs> um, he is the chairman of WCW. He, his dance is great when he comes in the ring. Uh, if you ever played WCW NWO Revenge on Nintendo 64, he would start the match with the chairman's hand. Uh, yeah, and there's absolutely no way he was under the cruiserweight weight, even though he wrestled no. the cruiserweight. Uh, <laughs> but he's he's uh, he's at number 10. Go ahead, Pilch. What do you got? I feel like Sting has to be on there. Sting is not on there at all. Wow. <laughs> I hate Sting. I oh, man. This is my, hot day. my hot day. How do you hate Sting? Not, no, 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 no. Not hate Sting. Not hate Sting. He is probably, it's between him and Flair for the best WCW wrestler of all time. I get it. I have never been one to... Uh, favorite somebody who is the best in the, the the face of the company. I always liked other guys. So no, other guy not on the list. Hmm. All right, let's go uh, with some hints. So let's see, let's, see, let's hear the rest of these. Uh, let's hear the rest of these. Yeah, okay. just give me the list. Only only grasping at straws. Yeah, here. we only know number three. Is Alex Wright, one of them. I don't. I don't. Alex. Know. Alex Wright is a great only, only when he was built uh Berlin. Great pull. He did not make the top 13. Um, but he's he would definitely be on the list in some way, shape, or form. What about um, Blitzkrieg? But no. <laughs> All right, who's your who's your number five? Who's your number five? Okay, number five is my my favorite cruiserweight of all time. He is the most decorated cruiserweight of all time. He's won titles all over the world. Japan, Mexico, the States, Britain. Uh, he has a move named after him called the Acai Moonsault. Yeah. Oh, who's that? Uh... He also has the Dragon Sleeper. Oh, oh, uh, Ultimo, Ultimo Dragon. Dragon is number five. If oh, number five, if you Google Ultimo Dragon belts in in the Google machine, there's a picture of him standing there with all these titles that he's won uh, from many different promotions around the world. Um, but he's my favorite cruiserweight of all time. Like I said, he's won titles wherever he's been. He's even won the WWF a light heavyweight championship at one point. Uh, you name it. If he's been in a federation, he's probably won the title there. Uh, Ultimate Dragon is number five. Number four. Number four. I can't explain why I like this guy so much. But I Disco Inferno. Not Disco Inferno, but almost to that level. He oh won. He's actually won the WCW Tag Team Championships five times. Five times. One with one with two cold Scorpio, twice with the Patriot, one with Scotty Riggs, 
Scotty Riggs is probably his second most famous oh, uh, partner. Buff Scotty Riggs is not famous. Buff Bagwell is number four on the list. Buff, yeah, Buff okay. I can buy stuff. I don't know what it is. It, I, it was back when he was with the the back when he was tagging with the Patriot, back when he was with Scotty Riggs, it's the American males. Uh, then he was in the NWO with um, Vicious and Delicious with him and Scott Norton with his top hat and his flexing and his choker thing yeah. on his neck. I don't know what it was. I was a fan of Buff Bagwell through and through. He is number Let's four. Be, let's be realistic He's here. Buff? You were a fan of the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> That was not one of uh, Buff Bagwell's greatest moments by any. Uh, so number four. So we got number three. We got Arn Anderson. Number four. We got Buff Bagwell. Number five. We got right. Ultimo Dragon. Um, I feel like based on these three uh, out of the top five, these top two could go anyway. It could be anybody. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous list I've ever heard in my entire life. We're we're getting Warren might Warren might just say Mike Tanay like I I don't know what's gonna come out of his mouth. Uh, yeah. Number two um, is probably he was I want to say he was the first black NWA oh, champion. First black NWA champion. Oh, sorry, not NWA. Sorry, not NWA. First black WCW heavyweight champion. First black WCW. Yes. Virgil? Ron Simmons? Ron Simmons is number two WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, That's a great pick. That is a great pick, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, WCW heavyweight champion, WCW tag team champion with Butch Reed as part of Doom. Three-time WWF Tag Team Champion with Bradshaw as part of the APA. Hall- another great spinebuster giver. Another great oh, yeah. spinebuster giver. Um, Hall of Famer in the 2012 class. Uh, Ron Simmons is number five. Is number two. Sorry. Uh, before I do number one, number six. I'm just going to read these. Number six is Scott Hall. Number seven is Stunning Steve Austin. Number eight is Chris Jericho. Number nine is Steven Regal. It wasn't William Regal. It was Steven Regal. Ten is LaParka. Eleven, Chris Canyon. Oh, come on. God. Uh, I'm booing that. I'm booing it. Boo. Boo. You didn't know where the canyon cutter was coming from. Canyon, the Canyon Cutter. So Who's better than Canyon? Every Canyon, absolutely everybody. So Who's better than Canyon? everyone. Okay, oh, number yeah. twelve. We got DDP at thirteen. There's one person ahead of uh, of DDP at number twelve. It is Hugh Morris. Oh, huh. okay. I like Hugh All right, Morris. Hugh Morris. Like Hugh. That's good. But he was a big dude at a moonsault. I like that. Move. The 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 pun on the name was always was was something that caught my eye too. Uh he, he became a trainer at, at the WWP at the Pete Performance Center, Bill DeMott. Uh right, right, right. kind of got into some mess and got let go. But uh always always a fan of his, always a fan of Hugh Morris. Number Great one work on the ring. Uh yes, hundred percent. Number one. Um he, no, <laughs> no, but close. Um, number one is uh, very prominent on the show that we are about to watch. It's Mongo. Uh, it's not Mongo. It's not. Mongo is Warren's favorite WWE. You lose all. Credibility. Yeah. We would have to. We'd have to cancel the podcast. Show. We'd have to cancel the podcast. We would have yeah. to cancel it. <laughs> like, oh, this guy doesn't know what if, he's talking about. If Mongo was anywhere on my list, I would come on the podcast and announce my retirement. But Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the last episode of the Triple R podcast. 
Um, no, he had he had many gimmicks in WCW. Uh, oh, he was Oz. He was Vinny Vegas. Oh, wow. Wow. And here at these, the outsiders, he is Kevin Nash, my number one, sexy himself. number one WCW wrestler, according to Warren, is Kevin Nash. He old, won the old, he won not <laughs> Kevin Nash. He did, have some, he did have some terrible quads. Um, he was a WCW heavyweight champion five times, WCW tag team champion nine different times. Six I mean, who Scott, was it? Six with Scott Hall, two with Diamond Dallas Page, and once with Sting. Um, WWE Hall of Famer in 2015. Also won the tag team title up there twice with Shawn Michaels, Intercontinental Champion, WWE Champion. Uh, he was number one in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 in 1995. Business was booming in 1995. Business was booming. <laughs> Warren, can, uh, can I be honest with you for a second? What you got? I hate your list. Like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> From top to bottom, it is awful. I hate it. It is my personal list. I'm not saying that Kevin Nash, that Kevin Nash is is the greatest WCW wrestler of all time. I'm just giving the evidence, and this is a hundred percent on me, my fandom. Your friends yeah. are gonna kick you out of your wrestling group. hundred percent out. I Sting doesn't know. make the top 13, but Arca, <laughs> number 10. Arca was the chairman of WCW. They had oh, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before, before Chris and Pilch tried to uh, kick me off of the podcast, we're going to wrap this up. Yeah, and, uh, we're going up. to thank you for listening. We are, to, we are never doing this again. <laughs> I'm gonna ne- next time I host, I will come out with another another top five, and hopefully, the deep top five. Five, the top five is going the route of the Miss Rumble pageant. No. We're never doing that. <laughs> we'll never that disastrous. Um, let's get to the particulars before, since you know we want to be a responsible podcast. Right. Uh, we got things to follow. Let's see. To follow. We're at Triple R Pod. We now have a Facebook group. Facebook.com slash Triple R Pod. The website, Triple R Podcast.com. Email. Send us an email at the real Triple R Podcast. Dot, oh, dot com. No, the real triple R podcast at gmail.com. Did I cover everything, Chris Lee? We also have a Twitter now, oh, and our Twitter, Twitter at triple R pod on Twitter at triple R pod. I'm going to add that to the particulars right now. There you go. Twitter. Um, we are available on all podcast streaming apps we're on google Podcasts. we're on apple Podcasts. we're on spotify and we are on stitcher if you uh like podcast addict you can find us using our uh rss code which is very simple you just put in our website and then uh slash episodes question mark format equals rss and it'll come right up it is um simple at all jesus that's simple yeah it's simple it's simple or you can just if you, i i believe on podcast addict you just type in our name and we'll come up you'll find us it's yeah. it's, it's you'll find it easy and you each easy level podcast we're on spotify we're on stitcher right. yeah. uh, we're on are uh, we on google play i think we're on google play google play is now google podcasts google, okay so we're on google podcasts I think that's all of them. God, we're that everywhere. We are. We are everywhere. all over the place. Uh, so we will 
return to your podcasting apps Sunday. We are talking about Bash at the Beach 1996. Chris, thank you. You're welcome. Justin Pilcher, thank you. Thank you for having me, as always. Uh, how about Damian Sandow? Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. <laughs> let's. Uh, oh, actually, let's check in with uh, our correspondent, the Iron Sheik, before we go. Russia! Thank you. Yeah. That was a very point. good summary of Bass at the Beach. I, I really appreciate his point of view. Yes, all, he was all about it. Uh, Pilch, do you know what uh, evolution is? I don't, Warren. Could you inform me? Evolution is a mystery. Oh, now I see. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Evolution. Okay. We got to for the main show for the main show we had sorry i apologize for that we had to be the young bucks for a second and get our stuff in before we sign (laughs) off so now that we got our stuff in we can sign off we'll see you sunday bash of the beach 1996 uh podcast go find us on the podcast app and the website goodbye goodbye